Chapter 9 Summary The universe didn't seem to like Zuko much, but it also seemed reluctant to actually try to take the final step to snuff him out. Probably too scared he would crawl out of his grave and yell at it. Warnings for this chapter. Normal blanket warnings and tags apply. Plus, wound care for burns and brief references to debridements. Humiliation. Non-sexual nudity. Brief discussion of canon-typical racism. So, it turned out burns were more painful and more trouble than being flogged or beaten. Luckily, Zuko seemed to know what he was doing as he carefully cleaned and washed Sokka's wounds. Removing the dead and useless skin was excruciating and deeply unpleasant, but apparently vital for preventing infection. Sokka didn't watch, just held his arms through the bars and thought about murder while he tried not to whimper in pain and revulsion. They had fallen into an ugly routine. In the morning, Ro would burn Sokka while Xiao would offer a relief if they agreed to his terms, which remained more or less the same. Sokka had to give him information he didn't have, and Zuko would need to attend dinner in his quarters, which definitely seemed like an escalation to Sokka. Zuko was clearly struggling with having to witness the burning, but had so far held out from doing anything stupid in response. It appeared that Zhao's attempts to break him with the news of Iroh's death had in fact done the opposite. It seemed to have filled him with double the determination. He would get out, and he would find his uncle. He refused to discuss it, other than to insist Zhao had been lying, and that he would find Iroh alive. Sokka had no desire to argue with this. Whatever got him through the day was a good thing in Sokka's book. Then, after the burning, when Zhao and Ro left, Taiju would bring them fresh bandages and clean, boiled water, as well as restocking their salve. He had even smuggled them a little dried fruit on one occasion. He looked like he was having a bad week. Dark shadows had formed under his eyes, and his jaw was always clenched. Sokka thought it was probably a sign that the man had a conscience lurking somewhere inside, but whenever he attempted to engage him in conversation, he would remain stoic and silent, like he couldn't even hear Sokka's voice. He wasn't sure what to make of it. Later, after the wounds had been treated and bound, in an effort to escape the pain and to distract them both from the looming presence of tomorrow, Sokka practiced the slow-flowing forms Zuko was teaching him. Learning to fight with his hands would be very useful, but it was the possibility of learning the sword that kept him on his feet and moving. One day he would stab Ro in his sick, stupid face with a sword. He thought about it a lot, whenever he was trying and failing to sleep through the pain now radiating from both his forearms. It was hard to escape from the constant hurt and the knowledge they were going to scar badly if he survived long enough for them to heal properly. He tried not to think about what it must have been like for Zuko. This kind of pain on his face, knowing he would be disfigured and having to have the dead tissue scrubbed away. Sokka hoped Iroh or whoever had done that for him had had a gentler hand than Zuko did. He was really crap at moderating his strength. Sokka thought it was partly because he was so enraged at the injuries it made him want to scrub them from existence. It was only a matter of time before things got worse, though. After today's burning, while Sokka shuddered and tried not to scream, Ro had wrapped a hand around his ankle, heating his palm and fingers until just shy of burning. Sokka had stared at him, stupefied and exhausted. He couldn't believe this was happening to him. The world had taken on a bizarre sense of unreality, with each new horror still somehow a surprise. Ro had looked at Sokka and smiled before releasing him, 
unscalded, and returning him to his cell. After they had gone, Zuko looked at him with an intense expression, solemn and angry. If they burn your joints, they might cripple you, he said bluntly. And who knew Asaka still had more fear in him? Apparently he did. When you're burnt deep enough to scar, the skin pulls tight. Zuko elaborated as he reached through the bars and demonstrated by pinching the skin of Sokka's ankle hard between his fingers. Ow! Sokka kicked at him with his other foot. Why did everything have to hurt all the time? Zuko withdrew his hand, but he still looked very serious. When that happens on a joint, it restricts movement. Oh, sort of like how Zuko couldn't fully open his left eye. Well, that was horrifying and terrifying. So... That's a thing people do? The Fire Nation is the worst, Sokka said miserably, trying to summon some anger to help drive out the new anxiety. Actually, it's a thing that some Earth Kingdom troops started to do to captured firebenders. It's a serious punishment. It takes a lot of heat to burn a firebender, and it's hard to bend properly if you don't have full range of motion, Zuko continued with a shrug. It can be done, of course. People can still bend without a hand or foot, but you have to relearn things. They see it as some sort of poetic justice, I guess. That's kind of sick. Sokka felt that weird disappointment he always got when he heard about other nations doing shitty things. Wasn't it enough that the Fire Nation was awful? There was no need to compete with them for the title of the worst bunch of arseholes ever. Zuko shrugged again. People do bad things in war. Understatement of the century. And speaking of bad things... What would happen if Sokka couldn't move properly? There would be no hope of escape at all, except for death, which was looking more and more likely to be the only way out of this endless nightmare. How do I stop them? He blurted. He could hear the fear in his voice and felt embarrassment for it. But he couldn't pull it back. He didn't want to die, even with how things were. He wanted to live. We can't. Nothing has changed in the last week. They're going to step up their game and make it worse to force us to do what they want. Zuko's jaw firmed and his brow furrowed, clear indicators that he was gearing up for an argument. We have to go back to the plan. He was right, but after the way the last attempt had gone, Sokka was very reluctant to do any such things. It's so risky, he said quietly, ashamed to even be considering it. We don't have any other options, Sokka. Let's say we go for it. What are we hoping to gain? Sokka asked, attempting to inject a little bit of rational thought into his conflicted feelings. We need something to pick the lock. We need to know where we are and what direction we need to go when we escape. What direction? Yeah, that was going to be an issue. Zuko's plan seemed to extend to the point where they flung themselves into the sea, and then it was just a case of hoping they weren't a hundred miles from shore. So, before we do actual escaping, we need to find out our heading and current location. How do we even do that? Zuko tipped his head back and frowned at the ceiling. I guess the only way to know where we are is for someone to tell us. Then if only one of us can get on deck to see the stars, we could use that to confirm direction. I've been traveling at sea for years. I'm familiar enough with the charts and maps. I might be able to figure it out with just a bit of information. So what you're saying is we need to get someone to talk to us, and we need to get on deck. That's not likely to happen. But even as he said it, Sokka's thoughts went to Taiju and his shadowed eyes. Maybe he was the key. If he could just give them a tiny bit of information, maybe. Of course there was another problem. 
they had to get out of the cells. But what if that happened out of order? What if they achieved lockpicking before navigation? If we get out, get to the sea, and don't know where we are, or find out we're miles from shore, what then? Go back to our cells with an apology? Zuko huffed. We'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Sokka hid his smile, examining his fingernails. Pretty sure that is not how the saying goes. But it kind of tracks for you, so we'll roll with it. Whatever. To be honest, I would prefer to take my chances in the ocean than let these bastards kill me. Sokka made an unhappy face, looking at his bandaged arms. I'm kind of inclined to agree with you there, but I would really rather not die at all. All right, our objectives remain to secure some sort of lockpicking object and find out where we are. Or get a look at the stars, as unlikely as that is. Agreed. How? Zuko scoffed. You know how. If you're suggesting we should attempt to get Zhao to take you to his rooms, I'm going to kick you. We have to. You think I want to? Trust me, I don't. But there is no other option. He was right. But when it all went wrong, Sokka wasn't sure he was going to be able to live with it. Okay, when we do this, you're going to have to fake giving up. That's not going to be easy, he told Zuko reluctantly. He also had a sneaky suspicion that acting was not going to be Zuko's strong suit. I can do it, Zuko said with perhaps more determination than confidence. Please stop doing this, Zuko said to Zhao later, as wooden as an old gnarled tree stump. Oh, are you asking for favors now? Yes, we are ready to discuss terms, Zuko said. He seemed to be trying to keep his voice sounding cowed. It was not altogether successful. Zhao seemed amused. Zuko's attempts to look humbled mostly just made him look like he had eaten something bad and was about to start puking. But Sokka was still quite impressed with him, despite the dubious delivery. Zhao must have known they were up to something, but seemed unable to resist the temptation of letting it play out. So, you're prepared to make a deal? Yes, I'll serve you wine, your dinner, whatever. Just please stop, for a few days at least. If I have you serve dinner, you'll have to clean yourself up, Zhao said, eyeing them both like they were something nasty the cat had dragged in. Oh boy, last time he had said that, things had not gone well, and Sokka was attached to his pants. He didn't want to lose them again. Provide us clean clothes and water to wash, and we will, Zuko insisted, echoing the same sentiment he had the previous time Zhao had decided to make them clean up. Zhao stepped closer to the bars. The thing is, Zuko, I don't trust you to behave. So here's the deal. I will take you to serve me, but we will bring the little water rat, too. If you misbehave, even once, I will burn out an eye. Do you understand me? Oh. They could have the pants. Sokka was far, far more attached to his eyes. He didn't know what to be more frightened of. The fact this was even a threat they had on their list of fun and evil things to do to prisoners or the fact that his sight remaining intact was reliant on Zuko holding his temper in his tongue. This was a terrible, terrible, awful idea. It had been the first time, and it remained so on the second time. Okay, Zuko said. His voice was a little shaky, in a way that Sokka didn't think he was faking. Then you'll stop? No. If you have behaved yourselves, then we can discuss terms for stopping. That's not fair! Zuko's voice climbed with his frustration. 
Zhao raised an eyebrow, and Zuko snapped his mouth shut. Sokka wished he could retract his eyes back into his head like some kind of bug. He wished he could do that. Zuko had lasted about fifteen seconds before raising his voice. Oh, spirits! I'll send water in a tub down, and you can bathe and change into clean clothes. I don't want you smelling like this in my quarters. It sounded like heaven, but Sokka was distracted by the likelihood he would be returning to the cell minus an eye. He knew Zuko would do his best, but he also knew from past experience that might not be quite enough. Zhao really did send down a whole tub. Two soldiers, directed by Shen, carried it to Zuko's cell, and then Sokka was ushered in as well. A different cell! What an exciting change of scene! Wash, Shen told them. He looked at them with nothing but contempt. Sokka felt the same in turn, although the sight of him no longer elicited the same crushing terror as it had during the beginning of his stay on the murder boat. Sokka still hated the man. He was a sick bastard like the rest. One day, he would get a sword to the gut, too. After the soldiers left them alone, Sokka stood for a moment, unsure. This was the first time they had been in the same cell, and they looked at each other for a moment, eyes a little wide. Sokka wasn't sure what started him moving, and he only registered he had when he slung his arms around Zuko in a tight, desperate hug. He was all bony and stiff, but the feeling of holding a person like this was the best thing Sokka had felt in weeks. Although it would be better if Zuko wasn't just standing there in rigid surprise, with his arms sticking out awkwardly at his sides. Sokka decided to ignore it and just keep hugging. Slowly, Zuko's arms came up to hold him back, and after a moment of getting used to the idea, they suddenly tightened around him into an almost crushing embrace. Even skinny and starving, the guy was shockingly strong. Sokka dropped his head into the crook of his neck, and just breathed in the slightly stinky smell of him, relishing the warmth of his skin and the feel of his heart beating rapidly where their bodies touched. He didn't want to leave this comfort, and he was embarrassed to find himself on the edge of tears. We should bathe, Zuko said thickly, close to his ear, before the water gets cold. He sounded as affected as Sokka felt, and knowing him, probably had no idea how to process those feelings. Sokka gave him a manly thump on the back and stepped away. He didn't trust himself to speak, so he just nodded. The tub was a good size, with high sides, and there was a warming scent coming from the water. Perhaps from some sort of fragrant oil. Clearly, Zhao had not been kidding about them not stinking up the cabin. They had also been provided with fresh clothes, two pails of water, a bar of soap, and cloth for washing and drying. Zuko shucked his pants with no hesitation, and went straight for one of the smaller pails. He crouched down and scooped out a little water to taste. He made a face. Seawater. He sighed heavily. Clearly, he had been hoping they would be able to drink some of it. Resigned, he started to use it to wash himself. That seemed like a good idea, actually, as they were going to have to share the bathwater, and whoever went last would have to sit in the other person's dirt. Gross. Sokka eyed the amount of grime coming off Zuko as he washed, and decided to fight to the death to go in the bath first. He did get a little lost in cleaning himself, as he was just as disgustingly dirty as Zuko, and washing the filth off felt amazing. Get in, Zuko said when they were done. Don't get your arms wet. Score! Sokka was very pleased he was going first, 
very pleased, especially, Azuko could probably squish him like a bug in a fight. Anyone ever tell you you're very bossy? He asked anyway, just to be annoying. I'm not bossy. People are just idiots and don't know what they're supposed to do. Uh-huh. Sokka climbed into the tub awkwardly. The water was still warm and felt like bliss. The smell alone was going to his head. It was so nice. It felt like an unthinkable luxury. Don't get your arms in the water, Zuko said again as Sokka settled. Just give me a minute. Sokka closed his eyes. How am I supposed to wash without my arms? He muttered, feeling muscles he hadn't even realized he had, slowly relaxing. This was amazing. His eyes shot open again as Zuko put a hand on his back and shoved him unceremoniously up the bath, his butt bouncing along the bottom uncomfortably. Oi! The water sloshed as Zuko got into the tub behind him, his annoyingly long legs sliding flush along Sokka's own, half on top of him. He squeaked in a way that could possibly be considered unmanly. Okay, then. Zuko had some really strange ideas about what was proper and not proper, and Sokka was never sure what was Zuko-ness and what was Fire Nation-ness. Whatever weird code of conduct he had going on in his head, Sokka seemed to have been placed in the category where nudity was not an issue. And now, apparently, communal bathing was chilled, too. Okay, fine. He could roll with it. Although it was a little outside Sokka's comfort zone. Having said that, most of his life was currently outside his comfort zone. So, whatever. At some point, we're going to have a conversation about boundaries, he said, letting himself relax again. You can't wash, so I'll have to help, Suko said, sounding irritated. He slapped what Sokka assumed was a soapy cloth onto his back. Reasonable. Of course, Zuko could probably help from outside the tub, but whatever logic his brain followed was not the same of Sokka's. So maybe it hadn't occurred to him, or maybe there was some weird Fire Nation meaning to it Sokka was missing. Or probably he was just cold and had wanted to sit in the bath. Who knew? Sokka decided all awkwardness was forgiven as the cloth started moving across his skin in brisk movements, carefully cleaning and rinsing his back, neck, and upper arms. It was wonderful. Not exactly gentle, because Zuko. But to feel a touch that was not causing him pain was such a relief. How had he not realized how much he craved and needed this before it had been gone? Tip your head back a bit. Sokka did, and Zuko poured water from his hands over his hair, carefully avoiding his face, which was thoughtful of him, as Sokka didn't think he could handle that after the drowning thing. His nightmares had been taken over by the feel of it, and even now it made him shudder. Zuko flopped the soapy cloth on Sokka's head and started scrubbing like he was trying to obliterate his scalp. Hey! Gently! Sokka yelped. A little less force and you can still get it clean. I promise. Your hair looks stupid like this, Zuko told him sternly. It's too long on top and hangs funny. Sokka grinned a little. Says the guy with the triangular tuft sticking out the back of his head. Zuko's hair was coming in thick and fast but what had been the base of a silly ponytail was ludicrous and provided Sokka with a great deal of petty entertainment. Zuko sniffed and rubbed the soap directly onto Sokka's head. Yours is stupider, he insisted. Nah, you're just jealous. I'm a trendsetter. Soon all the prisoners will be wearing this fun but practical jail style. There aren't any other prisoners. Sokka chuckled. Stop with the cloth. Just use your hands. He instructed, and after a moment, he felt Zuko's long, strong fingers rub at his scalp. He sighed happily. 
That feels good. After, I'll wash yours, he offered. That's okay. Offer's there if you want it. He couldn't imagine a reason anyone would not want this little bit of pleasure, but Zuko was a weirdo about pretty much everything, so Sokka wasn't going to push. Thanks, though, Zuko said. Sokka tipped his head forward, enjoying the sensation, but it couldn't last, and feelings of dread started to well up inside him again. Are you scared? he asked. The hands in his hair stilled, then began rubbing again. Yeah. Me too. This could go very wrong. I don't want you to die because of me, Sokka admitted in a small voice. It hurt to bring that thought out into the open. I won't. I'm not going to die on this ship. I refuse. Of course he did. The universe didn't seem to like Zuko much, but it also seemed reluctant to actually try to take the final step to snuff him out. Probably too scared he would crawl out of his grave and yell at it. I think you're done, Zuko said. Get out. Sokka huffed with amusement. So bossy. Reluctantly, he heaved himself up and out and started to dry off on one of the scraps of cloth. Zuko dunked himself into the water and gave his own head a vicious scrubbing. They had been provided with actual clothes, and Sokka put on the shirt, a shirt, and fresh pants happily. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw Zuko frowning and touching the slightly longer tuft at the back of his head, and held back a snicker. He went and sat by the wall as Zuko dried himself off. Once done, he joined Sokka, close enough to feel the heat from his body. Throwing caution to the wind, Sokka shuffled up a bit until they were side by side, touching at the shoulders. Zuko relaxed a little at the contact. It wasn't just Sokka desperately in need of a little physical comfort. He couldn't help wonder if Zuko ever got any from anyone before the murder boat. His uncle, maybe? He also wondered if he can get away with another hug. Probably not. I hate it when they call you that, Zuko said, completely out of the blue. Sokka sighed affectionately. You have to begin your sentences at the start of your thought process. I'm pretty smart, but when you start speaking halfway through a thought, I have no idea what you're trying to say. I mean, they could be a lot of people. Although I assume you're talking about Roe and old fuckface. And those two bastards call me a lot of things. Water rat. I don't like when they refer to you as an animal. Oh, that. Yeah, I'm not fond of that insult either. But that's what your people think of mine. It's not even that they think we're animals. They think we're vermin. It's wrong. Yeah, it is. Sokka shot him a sideways look. You called me that more than once. He couldn't help but point out. I know. I'm sorry. Wow. An apology? It felt like he had unwittingly nudged some surprise progress out of Zuko. Sokka felt sort of proud of both of them. Apology accepted, he said, with as much warmth as he could inject into the words. Zuko nodded, but seemed to have lapsed into deep, miserable thought. The quiet was boring. Sokka didn't do well with boredom. What animal would you be if you turned into one? he asked. Tiger Dillo, Zuko said almost instantly. No funny looks or confusion. This was a daft flight of fancy he had actually thought about at some point. Was it when he was a kid, daydreaming through his lessons? Or when he was stuck on a boat with only his uncle for real company, escaping from how things had worked out for him? Both options felt kind of sad. That could work for you. I figured you would be a cat. Why a cat? Prideful, graceful, deadly, and disgruntled when in unfamiliar territory. 
Also, they're funny when they fall off of things and then pretend they didn't. That got him a snort and a bit of a side eye. Sokka grinned. What about you? Zuko asked. A wolf, Sokka said. They were the coolest. Or were they? Oh, a shark. No, a wolf. Sharks don't have hands. Wolves don't have hands either. Yeah, but at least they have feet. Just having fins would be weird. Sokka demonstrated, sticking his arms out to the side and moving them awkwardly. You can't even move them properly. Zuko brushed an arm fin out of his face and gave him a little glare. Stupid, he said. Then he looked thoughtful. Wolves are better. Softer. He made an absent, tiny petting motion with one hand, and Sokka had to swallow another smile. You like animals? Yeah. Because they're fluffy? Sokka was never going to forget the comment about the llamas. But where once it had been with mockery, now it was just kind of... cute? Funny what a few weeks of captivity, close quarters, and abuse could do to your perception of a person. Zuko sniffed, but then shrugged. Yeah, but I like them because they don't care who you are, or what you look like, or where you come from, as long as you're nice to them. Some are going to try to eat you if you're nice to them or not, Sokka pointed out. That's true. That's just the way of things. And sometimes it doesn't matter how nice to them you are. If people have hurt them bad enough, they might never trust again. Even the most gentle dog will bite if it's scared. Sokka glanced at him, but Zuko was looking off into the distance, perhaps imagining a sad dog, sick of being kicked by its masters. Hmm, he said, and deliberately held his tongue between his teeth to stop the obvious comparison coming out. This is going to be hard, Zuko said, after some quiet contemplation. And just like that, they were back to the looming disaster ahead of them. Yeah, no kidding. Do you think you can do it? Not react? Didn't go so good last time. I can do it. Really? He's going to humiliate you. He's going to taunt you. He's going to hurt you in any way he can to make you lose your cool. And make Sokka lose an eye. I can keep my temper! Sokka gave him a wry, fond look. You really can't. Did your uncle ever try to help? Give you any advice? Yes. Meditation. Zuko said sullenly. So? Let's practice what he taught you. Remember that goal. Don't let his words or actions affect you. Show me how you meditate. They practiced. Sokka didn't think it was going to be enough. Shen came to get them, as dour and uninterested as ever. Sokka thought there was something dark and cruel about the man, even if he wasn't a mocking arsehole like the other two. He walked them quickly through the ship, and Sokka did his best to memorize every twist and turn. But its stark metal walls all looked the same. He detested it. At least water-tribe ships had some personality, even if they were much smaller and more cramped. Beside him, Zuko had a determined look on his face, like he was going to fight a battle. It was not a particularly reassuring expression, given the circumstances. Xiao's quarters were large, which was to be expected, and he had a lot of fancy stuff, clearly a man who liked the opulent displays of the wealth his position afforded him. There were a collection of chests and cabinets and a solid-looking table, currently adorned with dishes of food and bowls. Zhao and Ro were both sitting there, looking far too pleased with themselves. Behind them was a sleeping area where loose-neck curtains, probably to keep the insects out, partially hid the bed from view. Sokka tried not to look at it. 
This was such a terrible, awful, very bad idea. He had to stop listening to Zuko. He was an idiot. There was a third chair at the table, and Sokka was ushered into it. He sat, feeling a little dizzy with all the possible ways this could blow up in their faces. He cut his eyes to Roe, finding him looking back with a creepy, almost affectionate expression on his face. It was like the man considered him his favorite toy or something, and Sokka got the feeling he just couldn't wait to start playing. Unnerved, he averted his eyes and instead just stared at the table in front of him. Zuko had to hold it together, and they could go back to the cells. Coward. He was being pathetic. If he didn't at least try, what was the point of being here? They had to make this horrible experience worth it. There must be something of use. Something thin and strong they could use in the lock. As before, there was nothing on the table. But perhaps elsewhere in the room. He flicked his gaze towards the cabinets and the hangings on the walls. But his eyes kept being drawn back to Zhao, who was, as always, watching Zuko. So, Zhao said, Zuko, you will serve us. There will be no back chat, no rudeness, and you will do what you're told. He gestured to the table. Dish up the food and pour us a drink. Zuko's mouth had thinned into a flat, unhappy line, but he did what he was instructed. Picking up a dish of rice and spooning some out, he slapped it into the first bowl with a staggering lack of grace, but at least it went in the dish and not on anyone's lap. Point for team steam? Sokka looked at the food, while Zuko massacred the roast fish, violently depositing it into the bowls with as many bones as flesh still attached. Sokka didn't actually think he was doing it on purpose. He was just too wound up to perform the delicate task of properly filleting it. Zhao was watching his efforts with bemused amusement. It all smelt amazing, rich and subtle aromas of spice and the sour tang of vinegar from the preserved vegetables on display, as well as the fish that had now been mangled beyond recognition. There were stuffed, fried squids, and some small, plump-looking crustaceans Sokka didn't recognize, although they looked like they could be related to shrimp. He briefly wondered if it would be worth the punishment to just grab one and stuff it in his mouth. Probably not, but it was unbelievably tempting in spite of the knot of fear clogging up his gut. Do you want one? Ro asked him, making Sokka jump and quickly suck a bit of drool back into his mouth. Ro picked up one of the shrimp things with his chopsticks and held it out to him. Sokka quickly decided he had changed his mind about eating one. The bastard was holding it out like he was a pet. When Sokka didn't respond, Ro jammed it hard against his lip. Eat it, he demanded. Sokka felt his ears burn with shame, but he opened his mouth and accepted it. Breathing hard, he chewed and the flavor exploded on his tongue. Spice in the sea. It was like a tiny slice of a forgotten life. Stupidly, he felt tears try to well up and choke them down, taking a couple of deep breaths. Possibly sensing Sokka's distress, or perhaps lost in his own, Zuko caused a distraction by pouring the wine and then thumping the jug back onto the table hard enough to rattle the dishes. Anywhere else, a servant would get a beating for that, Zuko, Zhao reprimanded him. Zuko's lip curled into a little snarl, but he managed to resist saying anything. There was a high spot of color on his good cheekbone. Whatever shame Sokka was feeling, Zuko must be drowning in it. His breathing was erratic, and his eyes were furious. But so far, so good. He was controlling himself. Sokka just hoped it lasted. 
Apparently disappointed with the lack of explosions, Zhao deliberately knocked his cup of wine to the floor. Sokka watched it drop with a sinking feeling. Clean it, Zhao said. Sokka saw Zuko mouth one of the phrases he used to focus himself in meditation. He was trying so hard. Sokka was ridiculously proud of him. With what? Zuko said, teeth clenched around the words. Zhao handed him a handkerchief, and Zuko snatched it out of his hand, glaring at it a little, before he knelt to clean the spill, picking up the little cup and slamming it back onto the table. Zhao smiled at Ro and picked up the wine jug, but instead of filling his cup, he poured some over Zuko's bent head in a slow trickle. Zuko started making a wordless noise of surprise, tilting his head up and getting his face splashed. Don't stop, Zhao said, as Zuko angrily wiped wine out of his eyes. Sokka could hear him growling to himself as he bent back to his task, and Zhao continued the slow dribble of wine from the jug, making his efforts pointless as well as insulting. Distantly, Sokka thought back to Zuko's, or rather, Iroh's assessment of Zhao. This was personal revenge, sure, but it was also about humiliating a member of the royal family and knowing you could get away with it. They were both getting a thrill out of it, and Sokka was terrified about how far they were going to push it. Ro was snickering, and Zhao had a look of vicious, sharp amusement on his face. Good boy, he said, settling the wine jug back on the table. Zuko stood and wiped his face and head with a sleeve. Wash it off, Zhao told him. I wouldn't want you to get sticky. He gestured to the bowl of washing water by the bed. Stiffly, Zuko did what he was told. He looks best on his knees, Ro said conversationally, helping himself to a shrimp thing. He didn't seem interested in picking through the mess of fish bones actually in his bowl. Sokka was just glad they hadn't penalized Zuko for the poor job at serving. Yes, he does. You're doing a good job, Zuko, Zhao said, his voice a mix of heavy mockery and genuine praise. Zuko flushed. It's a shame your uncle didn't live to see it. You were always so rude to him. Imagine, you could have served him wine instead of insults. Zhao continued, his words dropping like daggers into the room. Sokka tensed. This was not going to go well. Already Zuko's eyes had widened in fury and pain at the mention of Iroh. Fucking Zhao. Sokka had to give him props for knowing exactly the right buttons to push to get the reactions he was obviously looking for. I already died cursing your name, Ro added. If you had held your tongue three years ago, he would still be alive maybe even serving at his brother's side right now. Zuko took a few deep breaths, but Sokka could see his hands trembling. Sensing weakness, Zhao smiled, sharp like a shark with the scent of blood in its nose. If you had accepted your place and hadn't continued to fight me for the Avatar, Iroh would still be alive. It's all about choices, isn't it, Zuko? Zuko closed his eyes, taking a shaky breath. His pain was written all over his face, his guilt. Sokka ached for him, while he also silently begged him to keep control. See it for what it is, just an attempt to get a reaction. I heard, Rose started, with a vicious look on his face, that it took two tries to take his head off his fat neck. You're lying, you bastard! Zuko lunged forward before catching himself, a look of horrified realization flashing across his face. It was enough, though. Sokka could tell by the victorious expression Zhao was wearing, pleased and full of anticipation. Ro reached an arm out for Sokka, 
bringing him close to his body in the mockery of an embrace. One of his hands lit with fire, and Sokka stared at it in terror. This had escalated fast, as always. It turned out no matter how hard you tried to prepare, the rush of fear always felt like a shock to the very bones. Sokka could feel himself shaking, but he couldn't seem to move any of his limbs. He was too scared to even make a noise. I'm sorry, Zuko said. His voice sounded desperate. I'm sorry, I'll do better. Zhao clicked his tongue and took a sip of his wine. You're a disrespectful whelp, Zuko. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Please don't. Apologize properly and I might consider it. Zuko dipped into a bow, deeper than the ones he had offered Zhao before. I'm sorry, he said again. He sounded too scared to even give it a good snarl. Not enough. Go lower, Zhao told him, pointing to the floor. Zuko took a few rapid breaths and dropped to his knees. I'm sorry. Sokka felt he had said those words so many times they had begun to lose all meaning, but maybe that was just the feeling of impending doom tightening his guts into a messy knot of fear. What are you even apologizing for? Zhao tattered at him again. You don't look like you mean it to me. Seeing Zuko humble himself like this was so uncomfortable and wrong. Knowing it was because of a threat to him? Unbearable. But there was nothing Sokka could do, and he couldn't run the risk of making things worse. All the way, Zuko, Zhao prompted. Zuko stared at him, white and shaking with anger and shame. Sokka didn't understand the Fire Nation or her culture, but the glimpses he had showed more rigid and ritualistic codes of behavior than what he was used to in his own village. Whatever Zhao was asking Zuko to do had some sort of symbolic meaning, and it went against every part of him to do it in this situation. I'm waiting. Ro brought his finger back towards Sokka's eye threateningly, and Zuko's nostrils flared even as his mouth firmed with determination. He bent forward until his forehead touched the floor and remained in that pose, rigid and trembling in fury. Say it like you mean it. I'm sorry for my disrespect, Admiral Zhao, Zuko snarled. The tone was less than apologetic, but the words and position seemed to have hit Zhao just right, and he leaned back in his chair, wearing an expression that sent shivers all over Sokka's body. Very good. You know, Zhao said conversationally, last time I saw you on your knees like this, you lost half your face. Zuko jerked like he had been kicked, but he stayed as he was, visibly shaking with emotion that Sokka chose to interpret as anger, but was probably far more complicated. Well, that was pretty much confirmation that his scar was not caused by an accident. He remembered what Zuko had said about it being hard to burn firebenders, and shuddered at the thought of what might have happened. How hot had the blast been? Or how long had someone held fire to his face? Good boy. You've come a long way from the snarling little monster you were when you first came aboard, Zhao said, almost fondly. You can get up. Zuko did. He was flushed and furious every bit a snarling little monster, if you went by the fire in his eyes. He was panting he was so angry, but he was holding it back. Just. Your good behavior has earned you food, and your water tribe, friend, can keep his eye for the evening. The pair of you can even keep your clothes. So you won't hurt him tomorrow? Zuko asked. I didn't say that. He has given me nothing. He hasn't earned food or clothes or any relief. In fact, he has proved himself useless. The only thing he's good for is to send bits of him to his father until Hakoda answers my letters. He hadn't answered? Did that mean he hadn't received them? 
or that he just wasn't coming. Sokka didn't know how to feel about either option, although the overwhelming feeling of desperation to see his father was tearing at his heart. Spirits, he wanted to be rescued, even if it meant damning the war and the water tribes. He just wanted his dad to come. Selfish, not the thought of a warrior who could hold his head up high. But at this point, Sokka was beyond caring. He just wanted this to stop. But it sounded like a pipe dream anyway. His dad wasn't coming. Zuko was staring at the table miserably. Sokka knew the feeling. They had achieved nothing but to give Zuko some more humiliation and Sokka some more terror. "'What do I have to do to stop you hurting him?' Zuko asked in the moment of quiet. Zhao's lips curled up. "'Oh no. This was not good. This was the worst possible outcome to today's failure.' "'Zuko, don't!' Sokka said desperately. "'Shush, little rat,' Rose said, wrapping a hot hand around the delicate bones of Sokka's wrists. "'Or I'll make you.' Zhao was looking at Zuko with that tiny smirk, like he had when Zuko had been kneeling with his face to the floor. He wants me to submit. Zuko's words were ringing in Sokka's mind, like a bell, and Ro was watching him carefully, ready to make sure he didn't interrupt Zhao's moments. He couldn't, though, even if he screamed and shouted. Making Zuko change his mind or give up on a line of thought was like trying to stop a tsunami with nothing but a bucket and an umbrella. So he stayed quiet and watched with unspeakable dread curdling in his stomach like old milk. Zhao got up and stepped close, forcing Zuko to look up at him. I will give the water rat food. I won't burn him, and I won't hurt him. For one week. After that, we will have to renegotiate. In exchange, you spend the night in my quarters. Don't! Sokka yelped, then reeled from Rose's backhand. The blow knocked him out of the chair to land almost at Zuko's feet. He spat blood, ears ringing, staring up at them with slightly blurred vision. Zuko was still looking at Zhao, intense hate in his gaze, but standing straight and strong. Zhao raised a brow at him. Do you understand what I mean by that, Zuko? I don't want you to be in doubt before making your choice. I understand, Zuko said with an expression of distaste. But it's not enough what you're offering for what you're asking. Zhao barked a laugh. Still trying to take liberties with my kindness? I have two further requests. Zhao shook his head in apparent disbelief. Okay, let's hear them. I want to write a letter to my sister. You're dead, Zuko. The dead don't write letters. Zuko rolled his eyes with pure insolence. Zhao's lip twitched. Now he had him where he wanted him. He was finding Zuko's behavior amusing. Perhaps he always had, when it wasn't actively embarrassing him. I know that. We can date it before my supposed death. Just say you were holding on to it to save her feelings, but had a change of heart, Zuko said. Zhao stepped back, picking up his wine again, thinking. I thought you and your sister didn't get along. Zuko's face took on a complicated expression that Sokka couldn't interpret. We don't, but she's still my sister. I love her. I want... He took a deep breath. She will be Fire Lord after father. I want to give her my blessing, absolve her of any bad feeling from the past. I understand you will have to read it. You can watch me write it. I don't care. But I want to choose the hawk it gets sent on, and I get to release the bird. Trying to see the sun? That's not going to happen. No, night is fine. I just want to be sure that you hold your side of the bargain. Clever. Mad, but clever. 
If Zhao agreed, then Zuko would get to go on deck. If it was a clear night, spirits, let it be a clear night, then he would get to see the stars. A small victory without other information, but still a victory. And your other request? I know my life is forfeit. I know when you make port, you'll kill me. You may take everything else from me, but let me die with dignity, quick and without shame. Zhao contemplated him for a moment. I accept your terms. Do you accept mine? Zuko took a deep, shuddering breath. So, you'll let me write, and then the next night? He trailed off, a little fear showing through the bravado. Zhao tapped a finger against his chin, his enjoyment at the discomfort clear to see. Not necessarily. To be honest, I enjoy the idea of you waiting and wondering when I'll call in the debt. It will be before the week is up, and there won't be any biting or fighting or scratching. You will obey me, or the deal is more than off. You misbehave, and the Water Tribe boy will take your place, and he won't get any of the concessions I'm offering you. Zuko looked pale. I understand. Sokka wasn't actually sure if this could get any worse, but he figured if there was a way, they would find it. And you accept? Zhao asked, voice like spider silk. I accept. Very well. I'll have some food sent down to you when you return to your cell, and an extra cup of water. The walk back to the cells was a quiet one. Sokka's ears were ringing with a new, low sort of panic. Half afraid that Zuko would have to go through with the deal he had just made, and half afraid he would lash out and Sokka would be the one to have to endure it. Neither option was one he thought either one of them could actually live with. And they had still achieved next to nothing. As soon as they were alone, Sokka turned on Zuko, suddenly furious. What are we going to do? How could you agree to that? What's wrong with you? You're giving him what he wants! I know, but what choice do we have? Zuko shot back. He was still pale and shaky-looking. Sokka sat down on the metal floor and drew his knees up, still angry, but also just miserable and full of despair. There isn't one. I know that, but this might not even gain us anything. Well, it had theoretically gained Sokka a week's reprieve from being chopped up or burnt, but at what cost? How was he supposed to live with this? On the other side of the bars, Zuko sat with a thump. We have another chance. When he takes me to write to my sister, I'll find something. I will. Sokka shook his head, the determined optimism again. It was like Zuko thought he could make things happen via the force of his will alone. As far as Sokka could tell, this had never actually worked out for him. I know it's risky, and it might end badly, Zuko said, giving Sokka one of his full force intensity stares. Almost certainly, Sokka couldn't help but interject. But we have to try. I won't die on this boat. I won't. Sokka rubbed his forehead and tried to force his brain to work past the fear of the anger. Done was done. There was no taking it back. Okay, so you will write to your sister. What's her name? Azula. That's a nice name, Sokka offered, trying to imagine a female Zuko. Softer, more polite, and pretty in that sharp-featured Fire Nation way but it just kept on looking like Zuko with long flowing hair, and he snickered a little to himself. Zuko gave him a funny look. I guess, he said. Okay, so you write the letter and get to go on deck to see the stars. But what then? We might still be in the middle of the ocean, and seeing the stars is no good if we don't know where we are. 
I'll try to talk to him, try to make him let information slip, and there has to be something I can get my hands on. I'll spill the ink, make a distraction, something. He sounded resolute and desperate. This really was going to be their last-ditch effort, their last chance. Zuko was right. They had to make it count. Sokka sighed and forced himself to let go of some of his anger. I guess even if it all goes to shit, at least you'll be able to give your blessing to your sister, and that might help her come to terms with what happened to you. Zuko snorted, loudly. Hardly. In fact, I intend to ruin her day. He smirked, a little spiteful twist of his lips. Oh? When we were kids, there was a play my mother liked. Sokka blinked a little at the change in subject, but he was getting used to rolling with Zuko's brain jumps. What's her name? Your mother? He asked, suddenly curious. Her name was Ursa, Zuko said quietly. The was told its own story. What was yours? He asked in return. Kaya. Zuko nodded. He looked miserable. She liked poetry and plays and joyful things, but she was sad a lot, too. It sounded like it was the mother who loved the murder ladies. Sokka congratulated himself on his deductive skills. Despite being married to the Fire Lord, she seemed like an interesting woman. Mine loves stories as well. Sokka felt something painful well up and get stuck in his chest, blocking his breath for a moment. He didn't want to think of her now. So, this play. He tried to bring the conversation back to the point, and how it inexplicably connected to ruining a sister's day. Zuko's brain remained an entertaining mystery, even with all this crushing horror. The heroine was separated from her lover by the evil king, and she pass-coded notes to him through a loyal maidservant. It was a good story, one of the few my sister enjoyed as much as I did, probably because it ended in violence and mayhem. But, anyway, we used to act it out, so our mother taught us the codes to play with. It was just fun at first, and we made most of it up ourselves, but we used to use it to pass notes to each other and to see who could write the worst hidden messages in calligraphy lesson. Oh, Sokka got where he was going with this now, and perked up a bit. You don't think Zhao will be on the lookout for hidden messages? Yeah, but he'll be looking for a sophisticated military code, not one made up by a pair of kids. Sokka really hoped he was right, but then Zhao was arrogant in his superiority. They might just get away with it. So what then? What will you tell her? I'll tell her I'm alive, that he lied about my execution. And that will ruin her day? Sokka asked, confused. Yeah, probably. With me gone, she gets the throne. Uh-huh, Sokka said. Well, she sounded lovely. So the title of Fire Lord can be held by a woman? Yeah, it will go into the next in line, which is Azula. He sounded baffled by Sokka's question. Anyway, what I say is irrelevant. By the time she gets the note, we'll either be dead or we'll be gone. So the point of the letter is just to annoy her? That's a bonus. The point of it is to tell her Zhao lied. She likes him about as much as I do, and being lied to will really piss her off. She'll be after him, and believe me, you do not want Azula to be after you. If nothing else, it will put the fox among the pig chickens, and hopefully ruin the fucker's career. Sokka felt himself smile at the thought. So basically, this is a potential act of spiteful petty vengeance from beyond the grave? He laughed. I love it! This will brighten every day I have before my death. Fuck Xiao. May he rot forever. He lifted his tin mug for a toast. Zuko raised his arm, and they clinked them together. 
May he die like the pointless scum he is, Zuko said, almost happy with that thought. Now shut up. I have to compose and memorize the words to use to make the letter work. They did get a little sleep in, but other than that, Zuko sat, furiously concentrating and occasionally snarling to himself while he plotted his letter. Sokka left him to it, focusing instead on a whole day without being burnt, or beaten, or otherwise traumatized. He ate a little of the extra food they had been given, relishing the sweetness of some wizened fruit he didn't recognize, and the salty joy of some little strips of dried fish. Food brought a little lightness to him, even though he still had a lead weight in his belly, like a stone dragging him down to the ocean floor. They were both antsy as the day drew on. So much depended on pure chance. Zuko had to get hold of something to pick the lock, or seeing the stars was completely pointless. But there was no way to plan anything. It was driving Sokka to distraction. When they finally heard the key in the lock, the lead weight in Sokka's belly exploded into a frenzy of anxiety. He didn't want Zuko to have to go alone, leaving him here to imagine the worst. He couldn't bear to even hope, but he couldn't let himself go into a despair either, not while there was a chance. Before the door swung open, Sokka grabbed Zuko's arm through the bars. If you can get something, then get it. But don't risk discovery. If you get caught, we'll never get another chance. We'll have a few days to figure something else out. Okay, Zuko said. He had his determined face on, but Sokka knew him well enough to recognize the nerves underneath. Good luck, Sokka said, throat tight. You too. Sokka cracked a grin. I'm not doing anything but sitting here, Zuko. What a ridiculous moron. Well, fine. Don't die while I'm gone. Zuko made a little face that was almost a smile. Sokka tried to keep time, but it was difficult. Every minute felt like an hour. He tried pacing, practiced his meditation in katas, and anxiously ate some more fish jerky, but it just tasted like ash. Time was doing that sticky, stretchy thing, and he was going out of his mind thinking about everything that could have gone wrong. Had he been caught? What if he hadn't found anything? What if it was all pointless? He tried to come up with a contingency plan, something they could do to get out of the cell for another opportunity to pocket a useful item. But he was too distracted. The looming time limit was consuming his thoughts. Slowly, time slipped on. And on. And on. Sokka tried to calculate the amount of time it had been since Zuko left, and sank to the floor by the far wall. It had been hours. It didn't take hours to write and send a letter. A sick, horrified feeling collected in his gut and sent those shivery cold sensations through his body. Zhao hadn't kept them guessing. He hadn't given them any time at all. He'd called in the deal. Zuko wasn't coming back. Not until morning. Sokka pulled his knees up to his chest and tried to keep from crying. It was a long night.